My name is Wilson Bell. I'm, I'm the leader of the senior high here at Grace of Ann. I've had a lot of your kids, I guess since the sixth grade, been here seven years now, going on eight. This Landon Ditto, uh, not Landon, since Kirby Woods. Uh, back when, when I was interning there, he was uh, working um, with us in music, and then he came on board and junior high director, and he's been here. Six. Six. And he, how many Fall Creek Falls have you been to? Uh, a lot. It's been like nine, hasn't it? It's been, it's been seven-ish. Seven-ish? Yeah. I have the black lung thanks to that state park. It's a, it's a rough area. But anyways, um, this is a unique night, obviously. Um, you have two people up here. We've never done anything like this before. Um, we were asked by Jeff Sample to do a question-answer night, and we're going to humbly accept that. Um, Yeah, it's, it's a weird night, and it could bomb. I, I'm going to be honest with you. It, it could <laughs> severely bomb. Like That's basically us saying it will bomb, <laughs> just just for having that. Um, no. You know, just let me tell you how it won't bomb, and that is if you will throw questions back to us. What Lane and I have done. No, there you go. I'm the idiot when it comes to the microphone. Um, ooh, there I am. Dale. Dale Lively, ladies and gentlemen. The fingers of a magician. Really, you just push the on button. Uh, (laughs) Um, What what Landon and I have done is we have sat down and talked about around about seven, six or seven questions that we have been asked uh, more times than than, um, over the past six or seven years than any other questions. And um, somebody came up to me tonight thinking this, this talk was... Uh, questions about my talk from the last time, just about sex, and it's not. Um, it's just a bunch of questions ranging everything from school systems to um, to sex, and and we're going to answer them in our perspective, uh, from our perspective points of view, from our, the ministries we're over. Um, after each of those questions, though, we're going to ask if you guys have any questions. And so hopefully, and the way this thing is going to go well tonight, is if we start answering some of those questions... And then we'll say, do you have any questions? If you do, ask away, and we'll just talk. And hopefully this is going to be a real laid-back environment, somewhat like we were in each other's homes or, you know, around a dinner table. And we can just kind of chill out and, and talk a little bit. And this is, I guess, your time. I, I say again, we're humbly doing this. Um, your time just to ask away and, and pick our brains of experience over the past seven, six, seven years. Yeah. So I'm going to turn it over to Landon. And we did, and I, I double Will's um, plea to you to just be, just let's dialogue and ask questions. Um, he, he said the word humbly. And uh, anytime I'm charged to speak in front of a group of people, especially parents, um, I'm reminded that ministry takes humility. Uh, and it takes humility because we are no more special or more sinless or different than you. The fact that every two weeks I get a, a check directly deposited in my bank account from a church, um, doesn't make me, you know, I'm cut from some different cloth. And so that's a huge responsibility that we are charged to teach these big, enormous truths. And especially in youth ministry, um, this job takes uh, humility. Um, you know, many of you have parented for 12, 13, 14, 15, 16, 20 years. Um, the parenting experience I've had is now seven months. You know, I, I told you the last time I taught, I humbly approach you because the hardest thing I've tackled as a parent is where to do the snaps, you know, on the changing table. Oh, I snapped the thing to the thing. You know, that's, that's tough. So 
So do um, know that in humility, we approach this. Um, I come to you not as a know-it-all who's been there and done that. I come to you as someone who's been blessed with the opportunity um, to have, have talked to you guys for six years and have gotten to know your students for six years and just teenagers and, and, and know the things that you guys and they're wrestling with. That's where my credibility comes from. Not that I've done it right or I'm going to do it right. I'm not stupid enough to make that claim. It's going to be easy for me. It's going to be probably 12 times harder because of my job uh, and because I've lost so much dang sanity, thanks to your kids. Um, <laughs> anyway, as way of introduction, here's what I want to tell you. Uh, we discussed, obviously, as we have ministered uh, alongside each other and just been in this ministry for years now, um, you certainly at times probably feel isolated. Um, even though there's a great community here at Grace of Anne and you all guys, you know, you, you have great um, friend systems. Certainly issues that you faced with your own kids, you have felt isolated. You have felt that, are they weird? Um, are we weird? You know, as parents, what are we doing right? What are we doing wrong? What are they doing? You know, am I the only one who's experienced that? Certainly you've, you've come across that at some point in parenting. As way of introduction, I want to kind of walk you through... Um, what I see in my ministry context, sixth, seventh, and eighth graders, and Will can kind of kind of tie it up with what he sees. You know, the ninth, tenth, eleventh, twelfth transition. Um, if you have middle school kids, and again, how many of you have a middle school kid right now? You have a kid in the junior high ministry. Great. How many of you have a high school kid or both? High school kid. Okay, good. So we have a large number of parents. One thing that we wanted to be specific to do is let you know this applies to uh, even if you have just a four-year-old or a two-year-old, you'll get here. And so obviously we're going to be speaking from our ministry context, but I think it applies across the board. So we want to, we want to track with you like that. Um, and sixth grade, let me know if this sounds somewhat familiar to you. Um, there's still kids in every way. You know, every August when the new class comes in and I get sixth graders, they're still kiddie. You know, they're, they're, they're a kid in every way. Um, mom and dad, you might still be heroes. You know, they might not be ashamed to show up, you know, at, at uh, school with you yet. Um, they're generally pretty easy to deal with, you know, because the control element is still pretty much there. Uh, they're not obsessing over friends yet or, or socializing yet, maybe. Um, lines of communication still generally open, maybe. This is, this is just the norm of kind of what I see, and your kid might not fit in here, but they might. That's sixth grade. Then seventh grade comes, and, and that's when the first sign sometimes of, hmm, this could be interesting. You know, that's, that's, that's when that maybe hits come seventh grade. Um, you know, lines of communication slightly changing maybe a little bit. Uh, a difference kind of in their just overall being. You know, they, they all of a sudden care about the scent of body wash that you buy them. You know, they, they want to wear cologne. They want to actually bathe, you know, on their own. <laughs> Seventh grade, just things start shifting and happening maybe a little different. Um, you know, girls, they take two hours to get ready as opposed to one, you know, in sixth grade. Just, just things are happening. And then come eighth grade, this is at least what I see, um, the desire for independence is greater and bigger. Um, the opposite sex game, you know, that, that sometimes gets fired up. Uh, friends are now their life. That's a huge deal. And, and drama breaks out every Friday night that so-and-so doesn't talk to me or do a thing. You know, it's just it's a huge thing. They seem older. You know, come eighth grade, they just seem older. Communicating on any real uh, human level is a rarity, if not a real treat. Um, and, and they're ready for high school, but they're scared too. Um, that's, that's what I see. That's what I get, honestly, the joy of being able to minister to kids turning into uh, to, to really uh, adults. And uh, so that's kind of where it stops for me. And we'll see similar funny transitions in high school. It's not as bad as junior high, though. I remember junior high. It was rough. And uh, 
they I, I was watching something. It was a secular, uh, it was a scientific show, and they were talking about gray matter, you know, a, a little baby, the transition, and you know, they're freaking out all, all the time. Scientists have found out, really, that there's another time when gray matter grows rapidly. That's in junior high years. So sometimes when you're saying, I don't even know who you are, you're right, because they've changed completely during that time. Ninth through twelfth grade doesn't seem to change as much. What, I, what I'm seeing in ninth grade is that it's the hardest transition year. I, I think it's harder than fifth to sixth grade. Uh, going from eighth to ninth grade, going to senior high, is tough. And, and confining it to, to youth ministry, it's almost like eighth grade, they have this huge year. I mean, they're at the top of their game. Um, everybody loves eighth grade. They're dominating everything. They get into ninth grade, they're the low man on the totem pole. They drop. And they're getting really busy at school. Um, really, their, their social life, because it's picked up in eighth grade, they, it keeps on going. It's a very difficult transition away. And many times, I see ninth graders fall away, especially from youth group. Uh, they start doing other things. Tenth uh, grade, uh, beginning of freedom. They get their license and, and their love and life. And, and really, the first time I connect with a lot of them is summer of tenth grade year. Uh, you know, I, I can think of some tenth graders this year that I'm really starting to connect with on a on a social level. And it's like they're they, they don't freak out as much anymore. And um, they're really starting to acclimate to high school and youth group. Eleventh grade, it seems to be a good year for them. Eleventh grade's uh, decent. Um, Big into friends, they start getting solid girlfriends, uh, boyfriends, where relationships are serious, I guess, um, more serious than just the little dramatic, dramatic hookups. And and, uh, and then in 12th grade, uh, get ready, because about Christmas of senior year, they're done. With anything anything uh, senior high, they don't want to, and that's school too, I mean, they are burned out. And uh, they, they don't want anything to do with uh, senior high anymore, and they're pulling away from parents, they're ready to go to college like crazy and um so be ready for that but they're little adults for sure and uh they're young adults and and they're ready to be treated as such so that's kind of the the spectrum that, that i that i guess we yeah. talked about we see um I think we can jump in some questions, though. Yeah, let's go ahead and jump in because I'm just looking at my watch. And if we don't get to everything we have planned, that's fine. Because, again, we want you to dialogue. And, again, you're going to make or break this by just, um, you know, asking things and asking for us to clarify things. The first one, let's go ahead and start it off with a nice hot button. Um, <laughs> a question that we get asked often, and usually maybe it's younger parents who are making up their minds on this, is, is um, the whole private versus public school versus even homeschool. You know, how do we choose to educate our children? Um and one, you know, as with any parenting call, uh, there are pros and cons to decisions that we make. And and just through the years of you know talking to you guys, dialoguing with you, uh, who who have chosen to educate your kids in a variety of ways, um, some not at all, like the Allstells, uh, <laughs> is. Um, but basically, I've seen there's a foundational principle that has to guide an enormous decision like that. And um, basically, what I'm what I want to communicate is many of you. Have chosen how to educate your children. So it's not a, hey, should you switch schools? This is kind of a things we need to be aware of as we've ministered to both. And Grace Event is a melting pot of, of a lot of, uh, a lot of public school kids, a lot of private school kids, some homeschool kids. Um, but the, the, the kind of the bottom line is your motive, uh, in why you have chosen to educate them where you have. Uh, for example, if your sole reason in educating them in the private school system is we want to keep them from something, um, You've made a terrible investment, if that's your sole reason. There are many great, great reasons uh, that you can choose to educate your, your kids in, in that system. 
I would hope your reasons are far much more than we want to keep them from something. And that's just something that I've seen in ministry uh, that we have to really guard ourselves against. Um, Jessica and I, we have great conversations about this because we have a unique perspective. She was, uh, since, kindergarten, since kindergarten, went through ECS, uh, a Christian private school, and I uh, went to White Station. I was raised in a public school. And so we, we got to kind of the give and take of, oh, I wish I could have experienced this. I wish you could have experienced that, you know, kind of back and forth. And we can both identify pros and cons uh, of both of those systems, you know, within our own lives. For example... You know, a potential danger, and this is what I speak to many of your kids about and teach about to your kids, um, you know, maybe a danger of, of something we got to be aware of in the private school system is, is maybe a, a heady type of Christianity, you know, where Bible is just another class and you know lots of verses and you know some theology, um, you know, or maybe just the, the blurry line between, well, everyone's a Christian here. Um, and so these are things that I communicate to your students that we just need to be aware of, um, you know, as we go through their, uh, you know, their education process, you know, some might say maybe a danger of uh, the public school system is, oh, well, there's a, there's a void of a Christian standard or some kind of a voice of truth, uh, you know, teaching, and that can be dangerous. Um, but the point I want to tell you, I think if, if the bottom line, no matter where your kids are at, uh, what school, if we're doing our job as parents, you know, if we're viewing ourselves as the primary leaders and guides of truth, um, then it really doesn't matter where you've, you've, you've chosen to educate them. You know, that's something that is a, a case-by-case, kid-by-kid, family-by-family situation that you have to make. And if, if we have our, you know, game faced on as parents, then I think that uh, things like Bible class and things like youth group and trips and that, that's just bonus. Um, so basically, you know, we are to be the, the primary sources of where these kids find their spiritual guidance. Um, I'm a bonus. Uh, if they do, if they are at a school that has, you know, some kind of a, a Bible class, that's a bonus. We're supposed to be the number one, uh, you know, leaders and guides of truth. That's at least what I've seen just as I've ministered a lot of kids from both systems. So I get that question. I, I don't know. I, I tell you, that's the question I get more than any other question. I have people take me out to lunch and they ask me, um, where are you going to send your kid to school? Um, here's the, here's the thing. Uh, the Bible gives us permission. It doesn't prohibit uh, school systems. And we have permission to, to weigh everything out and, and pick the one best for our family. And there's obviously pros and cons, like Landon said. I'll, I'll keep it quick. Um, and I'm just going to confine it to senior high. I, I see a lot of the pros uh, of private school, just the community formed. Um, parents know each other. Kids know each other. That's, that's huge. That's good. Uh, they know each other, and they uh, can support one another through tough times. Um, and so... You know, I mean, sometimes you can find your place on a sports team a little better on a private school. Uh, there's, there's all kinds of things like that. Um, some of the pros I see at, at a public school um, system is there's, I guess there might be a little more life experience uh, with some of the public school kids. Uh, they are exposed to more, which isn't necessarily a bad thing. I know some people, some parents have always been afraid of the exposure. I, I find it to be a good thing because... As I've seen the kids graduate from high school and move on to the college setting, I've seen um, some. I've seen more public school kids be able to handle it, uh, handle the adjustment a little bit better. Uh, they're not as shocked, I guess. Um, not to say that that many of the private school kids are are shocked either, but they they've been exposed to non-Christian beliefs and not just from a teacher coming at them in a non-Christian point of view. Uh, in, a, in a mock situation, but they've had to sit around in humanities classes and things like that and really de- really defend their faith. And I've seen some of the, pro- the public school kids 
they seem to be a bit more hungrier for for faith and application to that faith because of some of the things they're dealing with. Um, and, and so there, there's pros and cons to that. Um, I will say this as a warning, and uh, I grew up at private school, and and uh, you know I wouldn't have changed that at, at all. Um, I loved I loved my school back in in Jackson, Mississippi, the Promised Land. Um, but uh, you know, so I wouldn't change that. But I will say this: uh, to, to be aware, uh, the, the private school parents in here, be aware of this. What I've seen in ninth grade, coming into the ninth grade, their majority is private school, and I don't know why this is. I have theories. I, I don't know. I mean, nobody's written a book or anything on this, but. Um, Majority are private school, and by the time 12th grade comes around, majority are public school. And the private school have tended to drop off. And um, I don't know why that, that is. Uh, um, there's a lot of busyness going on with everybody, I know. But uh, I, I do, we have a majority of senior hires down there as public schoolers. And I don't, and, but in private school, they tend to just leave and, and, and really not go to church anywhere. They don't switch youth groups. They just don't go anymore to any, anywhere. So be aware of that. I don't really, I'm not calling you for getting your kids back in church. They're probably here since you're here. But um, just be aware of that if you're ninth grade, 10th grade, that kind of stuff. But um, principle, we have permission. And you need to go before God and, 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 and ask, ask him what's the right thing for your family. And, and ask him to give you the correct motive. And be honest with yourself. The correct motive is huge. Are there any questions about public and private school that are just kind of pointed uh, that you're like, well, what did you mean by that, Will Landon? Anything? Because that is the question. Uh, I mean, uh, that... that. (laughs) My kid, my kid, Emma, uh, she is starting Riverdale. Um, She's starting Riverdale um, this August. She's going on the school bus. She's hopping that school bus and She's looking so forward to it, too. But, yeah, we're starting Riverdale. Yeah, I mean, and this is a perfect example. He's definitely closer to having to make that decision than, than I am, and it's, it's a humility thing on our part. We haven't had to, to wrestle through that and make that decision. And um, uh, just observations that we've seen in, in having a, a variety of kids from, you know, these different systems. Uh, there are pros and cons and, and the basic principles that we need to – have the, uh, you know, the centrality of our home needs to be that that's Christ-centered. And no matter what they're coming home from, you know, at three in the afternoon, they're being exposed to real truth and they're being exposed to this is what the world is and how it's messed up. And um, let, let me say this, too. Um, it's kind of like the, the, the views of the end times. For, for whatever reason, that's the hot button that makes people mad at each other. I, I've seen a lot of people really get kind of frustrated with friend groups for sending their kids to one place and not the other, and, and, and vice versa, taking them out of a certain school system, going somewhere else. And it's a point of division. And again, it is a permissive act. And parents get to decide that for their families. And I don't think it's necessarily a slap to a private school because somebody takes them out, or a slap to a public school because they don't go there. It's not an act of righteousness or anything like that. So uh, let's all get along. Uh, anyways, we can um, go home. let's all get along. Yeah, let's, let's all get, get along. Uh, hey, let me go with number two if there's no other questions. And I was waiting for somebody to ask, like, what do you like better, ECS or Briarcrest? Yeah. Uh, we won't go there. Um, a, a question that, that we get sometimes is this. We've been so disengaged from the culture for so long. And I'm really beginning to understand that just with little kids and pulling away from 
from everything and, and queuing in on, on, you know, Dora and SpongeBob that you kind of step away from culture for so long. And then your kid's getting junior high, senior high. And the question then becomes, how can I re-engage in order to better communicate? I mean, because communication is kind of lost. They're, they're getting in junior high, senior high, and you just don't know what to even talk about anymore. Um, the way that I would answer that is um, it's not hard work, but it's an effort. Um, you know, Paul in Acts 17, he's talking to the Athenians. It's the famous speech to the Athenians. And he references some poets and some philosophers, and he talks about the unknown God, obviously showing that he understood the culture. And he didn't just know about it. I'm sure he walked around. He started, he worked at understanding the culture a little bit. Your kids are in a very distinct culture that's not yours. And I would suggest to you, um, I would suggest to you to get to know it a little bit better and put a little effort toward that. And I'm sure Landon's going to talk about specifics, but I think sometimes we do a better job with trying to understand other people, other non-believers, than our own children. I, you know, I'll, I have family members who they get all over their own kids, but you know they'll go to these ministry sites and you know they'll just have so much compassion and love for these wayward uh, non-believers. And it's like, why aren't you doing that to your your own kid? But you, you get so frustrated with them. It's work. It's it's not hard work, but it is an effort. So um, use it, Paul, as an example here, and get to know the culture. Uh, and I think Lena has some specifics that he's going to, to maybe go over. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely double that. I th- I'm a, my, one of my big soapboxes is is use resources. I mean, there are smart people out there who have done the homework for you on this very subject. Um, and, and so keeping up with their world is is not that hard. I know it seems like it's a big disconnect, and it does seem like it's very hard to do that. Um, but there are very ministry-specific resources geared at doing this very thing. I, one, one specific one that I push all the time, and I don't have it up on a screen or anything, but it's cpyu.org. I think it's Center for Parent and Youth Understand. Culture Understanding or something, cpyu.org. And, um, for example, I sign up for this little e, e-culture update every week, and it sends me uh, 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 an email. What's the number you know, one song that week? What's the number one movie? Th- articles about kids, this and that. So we can make, uh, it's intentional, and, and it does sometimes take time, but it's not that hard to keep up with their world anymore. And that's a, that is a big part. And I get this just from, from knowing your students um, and asking them. I mean, I do the same type of thing I'm doing now, you know, in a different way, but with them. You know, asking them, well, why don't you think your parents get you? Why don't you, why don't you talk to your parents about these? Oh, they don't get it. They don't know this. They don't understand. It's not that hard to keep up with their world anymore. Um, through technology, use that to your advantage. I mean, we're called in Scripture, you know, in, in I think Second Corinthians, where where um, Christ came into the world to reconcile the world back to God, and uh, He says that we've been given that ministry of reconciliation. We're to do the same. We're to take everything around us and and find you know redemptive things in it, reconcile it back to God. Keep here's just easy stuff. Keep your antennas up, and what I mean is is watch the movies that they're watching or the shows that they're watching, read about them. I mean, you, you know how to use the Google machine. Oh, go, you know, go to Google, type in what you hear them say, some, you know, phrase, show, whatever. Um, just keep your antennas up. Be intentional to do that. I charge them with that. You know, I'll do a series on a worldview about how, as Christians, we're called to put on a different pair of, you know, lenses, you know. In the morning, I put my contacts on so I can see. I have terrible vision. And um, as Christians, we do the same. We see the world differently. 
And um, you guys need to make a habit of trying to do the same. You know, listen to what they're listening to. Read what they're reading. You know, they're buying it with your stinking credit card. You know, the Cosmopolitan at the Chinooks, whatever they're getting. Um, just keep your antennas up. It's not a, it's not a, uh, you know, 110% sure. Like, oh, if you talk to them about their movie or music, they're gonna, you know, just respond and hug you. And mommy, we have something in common. Probably not gonna happen. Um, but knowing and understanding the world does open up more doors for you to engage with them um, on a real level. Uh, and so that's, that's something that I see that you can do, you can intentionally do. And, uh, and pray that the Holy Spirit use that. I don't know how he will. Um, but that's, that's, I think that's super important, just keeping your antennas up. So, do, what, do y'all have like, questions like, well, how do we really do it? Or, I mean, do you, are you aware of that? Yeah. Excellent. You know, I just did a thing on that in May, and for uh, you can download that. It's four ninety nine on the web. I'm just kidding. Uh, I get it. I get a little kickback. Plus, the more questions, the merrier. Our salaries are based on the amount of questions we get tonight. That's why we're trying to spin this thing. Um, honestly, I do. I did a thing in May because it, it really starts to hit in middle school. That you know, can we get a Facebook? Is it dangerous? You know, oh no, if they get a Facebook, you know, at midnight that night, someone's going to burn my house down or be kicking the door in. There's a lot of I think myths that surround that. In short, I'll, I'll give you what I tell them or what I tell parents when they ask, when cell phones, should we cell phone, should we text, should we Facebook? Uh, treat it like you would if you're you know, getting your kid a car. I mean, would you give them a certain amount of freedom with that? Yes, but you wouldn't give them free reign. So those things can be helpful. Well, the thing I told the kids is they can be helpful, fun, harmless resources you know, that keep us connected and are great. But it's a it's a basic principle of let's just we got to be on top of it you know you got to monitor it don't give them you wouldn't give them free reign hopefully at 16 with a car and the keys see ya you know no curfew go do what you want set boundaries set limitations be on top of it and they can be helpful resources so I'm an advocate for social networking if it's done properly and you know boundaries are set does that answer your question. Well, that brings up a great point of, A, please contact us even after this. And we, I mean, I'll, we can talk so specifically. Um, but, yeah, I would love to, to talk to you about that. And then, again, on our junior high website, that's kind of how I geared it towards the kids, saying, hey, social networking, Facebook, cell phone, that can be fun, but here's the dangers. You know, biblically, here's the dangers. Pragmatically, here's the dangers. Um, but, yeah, I'd love to discuss those in detail later. Uh, specifically, though, um, in senior high, I would say let them have it, for sure. I mean, that's the way they communicate, and that's the way I communicate with them. I mean, they, I mean, we have a senior high Facebook group. And that's how all information goes out to them. Um, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't encourage a MySpace. That's, I mean, just, just be bluntly honest. I mean, that's more of the... Um, the social dating sort of scene, and there's not very many restrictions or limitations. Facebook, if you don't know anything about it, um, you have to be a friend with somebody before you can see any information at all. It's a little safer. Yeah, so if is. your son or daughter, I don't, I don't know, your son or daughter is wanting to do MySpace, I'd be a lot more careful with that one rather than Facebook. The only positive thing is I met my wife on MySpace, but I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Suzanne? You can. You don't have to do any of it, though. Yeah, you can opt out. And that's where the parameters probably come in as parents. 
And I, I, I even know some parents that say, you can have one, just have a fake name and tell all your friends your name. And, you know, then you can be on their profiles or whatever. I know some parents will say, yeah, you can have one, but you can't upload pictures. Or, yeah, you can have one, but you can't do the profile. You know, just the parameters that you're comfortable with. But as far as just the communication device, um, it's, it's almost like, especially in high school, I'll say, it's almost like taking away an email, or your email or your, your cell phone. That's the way they communicate. And I'll rat him out early. At a, a conversation at lunch yesterday I had with Dr. Young, he was inquiring about a Facebook account. So, for right. real, he was, he was curious. I mean, he's, he's maybe wanting one, so. You're right. No, I mean, yeah. I, I would, I would just be very honest and or blunt and say I would not let my kid have a MySpace. If I had a teenage son or daughter, I would not let them have a MySpace. But I would let them have a Facebook. And as the younger to older, I would be more aware of what they're doing. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good question though. Still started. Anything else? I mean, we might want to move on for Tom's sake. I want to get you guys out of here. Excellent. <laughs> you know, Sinner. I, I think Sinner. the only thing wrong, <laughs> the only thing wrong with this scenario is that, uh, that your, your 15 year old son's still taking baths. That's the only thing I see. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's the only okay. Are you talking about John? <laughs> Yeah. John or Justin? <laughs> no. I think that you let go with certain amounts of control, obviously, as they prove themselves um, are age appropriate. One thing that the kids, even on a trip, if I sell bounds, well, you do not trust me? I go, no, I don't trust me. And the gospel tells me I shouldn't. And, and you say, you know, Justin's 15, 15 now, right? You say, I trust you to be a, a sinful 15-year-old. And my goal as your parent is to protect you from yourself. And so that's why I'm doing that. Now, obviously, you're not going to do that when he's 18. You're not going to do that when he's, you know, 20. And hopefully, he's going to quit the baths by then. <laughs> so. And it won't be a problem. You'll never get to his phone. No, but so, you know, I, I wouldn't see that as, you know, some parents, that's ah, invading his privacy. You're, you know, I think it comes with time when you let go of that amount of control. <laughs>
But at the same time, they seem so terribly alone. They're afraid. They cannot, they don't know how to communicate face-to-face with people. They go, oh, you know, give me your Facebook, you know, ask me as a friend. I'm going, why don't you pick up the phone and call and talk to them or speak to them in person? They can't do it. I don't know. To me, there seems a huge disconnect. Can you explain some of this from your experience? I mean, I think one thing I try to harp on is address those. And you can look at growing technology one or two ways. We can, you know, do what all our parents have done, and all these kids these days, and this and that. Or you can go, okay, how can we teach them to properly use those as resources? And and their kids, are they going to want to bend the rules and the boundaries and be on it too much? Yes, and I think that's where, you know, us and our role and you as parents set those boundaries, set those limitations, teach them what it means to, you know, break up with a girlfriend face-to-face, not on text messages, things like that. Um, that's just a sign of the generation who was born into a world of technology that we are connected more than ever. And, and we're all centers, so we're going to be bent towards overdoing it. Um, but I just try to call them out on it. And, and in my little social networking talk, um, I address that. Um, let me finish with this because we're going to need to go into other things. Um, um, around the, the 10th graders right now are the, is the first grade that I've gotten so far. They're going into 11th grade. It's the first grade I've gotten that text a ridiculous amount. And when I say ridiculous amount, I mean five, 6,000 a month. And I don't know how you do that. But, I mean, they walk up the hall. And I think the big danger in that, and I would address this as a parent if I was talking to Emma or Jack, would be you what exactly what you're saying you're not learning how to actually communicate to somebody you are disconnected you're connected but you're very disconnected and so I would limit texting I would I for my own kids I would limit the amount of text they could do I wouldn't take it away from them but I mean just walking down the hall saying hey hey what's up what's up you know I mean it's just <laughs> it is what it is use as a device but anyways um one or two questions, maybe more you think. You want us to kind of give you a, a choice of the ones that we have listed, and you go, ooh, that one or that one, just so you can kind of have a say. Um, Should I make my kid go to church? We had that. Uh, how can I answer their questions, you know, about spiritual things? You got parameters on dating. Dating. Uh, um, should they date? When should they date? How should they date? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Hot button. Okay, I knew then, it. And then, I knew and then it. the number six is how and when do I talk to them about sex? Dude, All right, we two. got five and six. They go together, yeah. All right, five and six. Let I will go. give you, um, from a junior high perspective, again, this is my ministry context, and the question that I'll more tackle is should they date? Um, obviously, that changes as they get older uh, into high school. A few dangers, I think, in us as parents being advocates, of least, at least, uh, for the whole middle school dating scene. One thing that I think happens that I see is from an early age, they get just just too comfortable, too accustomed uh, to being in, you know, constant communication, you know, with the opposite sex, as we're talking about, because if they're going out, dating, whatever, they're going to be in constant communication, um, is, is that you see them just getting so accustomed, so used to, and so just comfortable with the opposite sex, that... It just opens up the door to, okay, what's next? You know, that lost its excitement, you know, back in seventh grade. So, so what's next? Um, they get easily bored and kind of, you know, just, just want to see what else is, is out there to keep, you know, life exciting. Um, and a side note uh, that I address your kids often, the, the whole L word, um, it's, 
any point in middle school, you know, I love you, nip that. You know, they, had, they don't have an understanding. Explain to them what love is and what love isn't. Um, but but here's, here's another thing. Is a middle school boy going to like a middle school girl? Are they going to have a thing? Yes. You know, vice versa, yes. And that's fun, and it's funny, and it's, call it what they will, we're going out, whatever. That's, if nothing else, it's pure entertainment for their youth director. So <laughs> please allow that. So, so, so please allow that to happen. That's going to happen. But guys, encouraging them or, or allowing them, here's the danger, I think, at, a, at an early age, to pair off at this age is not a healthy thing, in my opinion. To, to pair off, not, they call it what they will, you know, and, and are they going to have things, but, but being able to pair off is not a healthy thing. So here's why. I encourage your students basically to hold off as long as humanly possible on dating, you know, really dating, pairing off. Why? Because I think this culture has made dating and made pairing off into something that, that, that it wasn't designed to mean. Um, you know, it's dating is meant to lead somewhere. It is. It's preparation for something, and it's meant to lead somewhere. And where it's meant to lead is good. It's a good thing. Um, but prematurely, uh, I think it can be a dangerous thing. You know, pairing off, it's, it's hormonally charged. It's psychologically charged. It's physically charged. So, so here's what we either need to do. Prepare, we need to be preparing our kids to get married earlier or um, having them hold off uh, longer on just seriously engaging in just this whole pairing off. Keep it in groups. Even even as far as through high school as you can, just keep it, you know, that's, they're going to have a thing and we're going out and that's fine, but just keep it keep it in groups. I mean, I think that's a healthy thing as, as much as possible. His perspective's going to be different with an older age, I know. Yeah, I, I have, I think it's, it's five things here, but um, you, you made me think of something. Um, no, I see a lot in senior high is it, not, I mean, there's the physical connection there, and I'll talk about that in a second, but the emotional connection is the whole twilight, uh, the notebook sort of thing going on, and, and it's, it's inappropriate emotional connection. When you you give yourself to somebody emotionally, I mean, there's connected, and it becomes dramatic, and, and uh, it's ugly. It gets real ugly, and whereas these relationships, like you said, are kind of silly, it's not to them. It's the biggest thing going to them, and, and they can become just as emotionally connected as, as uh, you can. Um, anyway, so somebody wrote me a question, and, um, and they asked about the time, like, oh, at what age should they start dating? I, I think that depends on you and, and your child, and I think the amount of freedom that they have. I mean, 16 is when they start uh, driving. Um, I know some parents have said, when you're 16, you can drive, you can start dating. I mean, I was from Mississippi. I drove when I was 15. Uh, October of my eighth grade year, I was held back. I was driving with the teachers. Uh, and, uh, so I started dating then, you know what I mean? But uh, that was my parents' choice. Uh, I think it would be very, um, steeped in legalism if I were to sit here and say 15, 16, 17. That's, that's your prerogative, obviously. Um, parameters of actual time, um, spent alone should be a key thing for you guys. Somebody was asking about parameters. Um, you know, one of the tendencies is that they're going to come to your house or uh, or the boyfriend or girlfriend's house, and they don't want to sit with you. They're going to they want to go to the playroom, and uh, they want to go up there and they want to spoon each other on the couch and watch a movie. And uh, you do that for four hours, it gets boring after a while, and you're going to do other things. And that's just the way it goes. And you were all in a relationship at one time, and it hadn't changed any. Uh, you're sexually attracted. They're sexually attracted to one another, and that's what it leads to. So um, I would be checking on them. I would be um, 
sending little Johnny, you know, up there. Uh, I, I see all of you are like, I do that, I do that. Uh, it's smart, do it. I mean, go up there. Pull the fire alarm. Every go up there three times, three times an hour and ask if they want some more chocolate chip cookies. Whatever it takes. Protect their purity. Uh, do everything you can because, uh, unfortunately, they don't do a very good job of it. Um, encourage groups, as he was saying, even in high school, even if they do have a boyfriend or girlfriend, which they will have, um, encourage them to go out in groups and, and, and explain to them the reasoning behind that. I think mainly they need reasoning. They want reasoning. They want you to explain without freaking out. Well, if if they don't if they don't accept the reasons, then your yes is yes and your no is no. I, I'm not I'm not saying compromise with them. I'm just saying. Uh, I th- I think my experience when I give them reasoning because I tell them no a good good amount of the time on a lot of things just in, in my position, and when they look at me like I'm crazy, they do understand and they understand you and they and even though they look at you like you're an alien, they know what you're saying is true and they're going to look at you like. You're an idiot, but you're not, and they know that. So I wouldn't worry about that a, a bit. If I could say one thing to encourage you as parents, I've had many specific conversations with your kids. When when you get the the, the drift that they can't stand you and think you have nothing to say of value, um, they that's not true. I not mean, they all. tell me, oh, I know she's right, but me, they really do, and that that should be encouraging. Let me to say you this: that you don't waver. When, when when you back down, when you when they give you the glare, when they put their arms down and they pout, whatever they do to make you change your mind and give in to them, that's when they disrespect you completely and they won't listen to anything else you have to say. So you have a choice. You can be a little harder and and, and stand your ground and they'll respect you and and love you for it or not and they won't like you at all um, in, in any way. It's hard though. They get it. They get it. I promise you, they get it. Don't, don't, be encouraged. They get it. And the comfort is, if the Holy Spirit has regenerated their hearts, they get it or they will get it. And, and that's where a lot of these principles and tensions that we have as parents of, I gotta make every single right choice and everything, and do they get me? Am I communicating right? Um, we want to parent as well as possible, and we need to be in the know, keep our antennas up, be in the word. But ultimately, if these kids are, uh, children of the living God, then you know the Holy Spirit has has their hearts, and they will get it. And we we can be guides, and we've been entrusted to do that. So. Don't don't be naive on that either. Some of your kids aren't Christians. We believe in a sovereign God who has elective purposes, and 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 if they're not, um, we need to pray for them as non-believers that they will uh, become regenerate. But there's so many parents I run into. They they're they're fooled, or they're just they 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 just don't want to see that their that little their little girl or boy isn't a believer. Sometimes they're just not, and so they don't think the same way that you do they, that you do or I do or anybody else does. Please don't be naive to that. Um, anyways, uh, another another um, probably the very last thing. I know we we want to get you guys out of here. We're supposed to be gone in a second. You want to hop to the very very last. Yeah. Finale. Yes on curfews. Physicality is God's holiness. Don't be, I'm not going to say hold hands or hug. It's God's holiness. Go before God. Uh, you want to do number six or go to the last? Finale? Probably the very last thing. And I, I mean, I feel like it's just getting cranked up. Sorry about that. We just, we're just running out of time. I don't want to get you guys out of here on time. But um, 
you know, before he poses the finale. I mean, that, this is what we're here for, you know, questions like this. This is why we have email and, and, and cell phones and uh, office phones and all that. So. Um, and I like this forum. If y'all want to do it again, just ask Sample. He'll, he'll set something up. Um, in his home. <laughs> um, but we, 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 love, we love this stuff. Hey, the finale, um, a lot of times we get this um, after talking to groups of parents or just a parent one-on-one. They'll say something like, hey, listen, if you can, say, if you can give us any advice for our kid, you know, and us as we direct our kids, what would it be? Anything. You know, just call us anytime. If you can think of anything we can do to help a better parent, which is kind of an overwhelming uh, request, but uh, please, please tell us. And um, I wrote down a couple of things. Landon has a couple of things, and and one's kind of specific, one's general. One, um, I would say this: don't make promises that you're not willing to keep, in the positive or the negative. Um, uh, positively, don't promise them something good and then just not deliver on it. Um, uh, but negatively, don't promise them a, a good month-long grounding and then give in after a week. Uh, let your yes be yes, your no be no. Uh, the principle of oath-making, promise-making, don't break it. You're provoking your children. I think if I could address a group of parents and, and say that and, and that be heard, um, that's what I'm trying to do. It's, it's just, that's the one thing I see senior hires matter at their parents about than anything else. They give in. And, and even on the negative, they just can't stand it when you're inconsistent with your word. Uh, that's one thing. The second thing, um, don't sweat the small stuff. There's a lot of small stuff that if they're telling the truth, which I understand they're not a lot, but if they are telling the truth, you're sweating the small stuff. Uh, be concerned about their souls. Christ was concerned about the soul more than anything else. Um, they're not going to necessarily grow up like you grew up and have the same kind of friends that you had growing up and do the same activities that you did. Um, don't sweat it. It'll be fine. Worry about their souls. Pray for their souls. I think the one thing I'd, I'd say just in my context, in my um, experience, is, and if you get this principle, every question that we've asked, it, it falls under the umbrella of that. And it's to remember that your job is not to make your children happy. Um, it's not. And somewhere along the way, we culture has, has messed that up. And we're, we're these... You know, great gift givers who we just want our kid to live a happy life. Um, your job is not to make them happy, and if you get that, a lot of these questions they fall under that these these parameters. Um, a lot of these things work themselves out. You know, we're we are here to provide for them in every sense of that word. Not only you know their needs, um, but we're to provide spiritual direction and and truth giving to them. Um, if we're doing that, then those other things line up. If, if we're doing that, they'll be happy. But just remember that that don't don't make them little idols. Don't make them little idols. And and I've had I've had seven months to see how that can be attention. You know, me and Jessica, we see where that can be attention. So I'm with you, not to the extent I haven't spent 12, 13, 14, 15 years with with Kaylee yet. Um, but don't make them your little idols. Your job is not to make them happy. It's to provide for them in every sense of that word. That, I think that's what. That's what I'd say, hands down, in a, in a nutshell. Um, thanks for letting us do this little mini view session. I know we didn't have Whoopi here or Rosie or anyone. Um, hopefully, that's not a disappointment. But we do appreciate it. We want to communicate, certainly from both of us, that 
this is what we love doing. We're not, we don't just put on a show for your kids Sundays and Wednesdays. We love ministering to your families. Um, that's why we do this. And so our doors open, phones open, emails open. And maybe we could do this again. We had more stuff. Sorry about Tom and anything you wanted to close with. I'd like to pray for us. Uh, we have a tough job in front of us. Let's pray. Father, you've charged probably everyone in this room um, with a great task and responsibility of being a parent. Um, it's something that's very overwhelming and it's something that's very uh, tiring at times. Um, Father, as we uh, proceed in this endeavor, will you give us the wisdom and the strength and the grace that is needed in order to do this job well and to do it to your glory? Father, you've uh, given us precious um, gifts, our sons and daughters, and uh, there's no greater job or responsibility that we have than to train them up in the way of the Lord. As we leave here tonight, uh, may we do that better, uh, but that uh, better it doesn't come through um, a how-to book or um, a couple of youth directors up here talking. It comes through the power of your Holy Spirit. So give us that power. Give us that strength that we need and give us um, uh, the love and the patience and uh, and the fortitude that's necessary as, uh, as we continue. Father, we love you. We praise you for giving us this opportunity tonight. In Jesus' name, amen.